Stores actually have this first-party data about their customers more and more, and yet they don't have any good way of actioning and of activating it in the physical store, right? It's more learning. It's not data that they're really using very much yet to activate the shopper or to support a personalized shopping experience for their customers. But this is something we know we can do and we're showcasing what we can do by combining that first-party data, that loyalty data that the store has with the ability to place information in physical spots within the store in the moment of purchase intent. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. Do you remember during the heart of COVID lockdowns when everybody was talking about AR? I know on Retail Touchpoints, we seemingly couldn't go a week without covering a new application or a new use case. And I feel like the momentum has only continued since then, which is funny because I feel like we've been talking about AR for a very long time, but we are now starting to fully realize its potential. And I think that's because of companies like Alki Labs, which are solely focused on building out these technologies and these experiences to bring content, commerce, and context together. For today's episode, I sit down with Neil Redding, who's head of product for Alki Labs. And we met previously at Shop Talk, and I really enjoyed hearing his perspective on how AR can improve in-store experiences and bring that power of data and digital content and curation into physical environments. Now, there is a lot to unpack in this conversation, so I think we do a good job of getting the ideation started, at least for all of you. But make no mistake, this is a constantly evolving space. So I wouldn't be surprised if we had Neil back on the show to do a bit of a check-in, update, and dig a little bit deeper into some of the implementation considerations, lessons learned, and more. But for now, if you're curious about what this new world of AR looks like and what the opportunities are, listen in because this conversation is for you. Neil, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show today. It's great to have you. Great to be here, Alicia. Thanks so much. Yeah, and honestly, I'm so excited to have you on because we are going to dig deep into augmented reality or AR. And I feel like it's a topic that we've been discussing at a very high level for, I want to say about like a decade now, like for as long as I've been in retail. But now we're really starting to see some exciting movement and progress. So I'm just going to get right into it at the top. Why do you think that is? Why do you think now is officially the time that we're seeing some great progress with AR? Yeah, you know, I agree with you. I mean, I grew up professionally as a technologist. I did kind of software engineering and product development the first half of my career. And the past 15 years or so, I've been working with brands and in advertising and in in architecture and retail and physical spaces. And I, I think, so I've been following AR as long as you have as well. And it's been great for sort of campaign elements, right? For brands in various ways, sort of one-off temporary putting characters in places and things like this. But I think the answer to the question from my perspective of why now is really twofold. One is that the technology has reached a level of maturity where good AR is actually possible. We can get into a little bit more about what that is. But 
To get a little bit technical for a second, the SLAM technology, the simultaneous localization and mapping, which is what phones use at the high end, including leveraging LiDAR, which is a kind of a variant of radar, but high-end phones, especially iPhones, have it. It's for mapping precisely a physical space. This technology at the hardware and OS level is getting really, really good. So it's it's possible now for the first time to have a precise understanding for these devices, have a precise understanding of their environment. And this is what is really necessary, actually, for good augmented reality, meaning 3D objects, especially digital objects that seem real, right, that start to feel like they're really part of our digital space. And I think that's that's the key thing that is a tipping point for AR. But there's another piece that I know we'll get into more in a bit, which is about the now that we have this technological capability, what are we going to do with it? And what we see at Alki Labs is what AR is really for is very similar to what language itself is for, which is about manifesting what's in our imagination or manifesting information in physical space. And I'll leave it there for now because I know we're going to get more into that in a second. Yeah, I love that idea of manifestation. And I know we've been tracking and reporting on the progress that has taken place in way of consumer behaviors. And, you know, I don't know if you have a, a take on, you know, there's like the chicken or the egg, right? Like, do consumers have the need for the technology first? Or is it a matter of the technology reaching that? point of maturity and, and I guess, perfection to a certain extent that they're like, oh, this is really cool. Let me try it. And then that's when the use cases happen. But I feel like that really kicked into high gear or that pivot point kind of happened during COVID for obvious reasons that we probably don't need to get into for our listeners. But I feel like at the category level, that's when we started to see a lot of furniture, eyewear, I feel like existed for a little bit before COVID. But that's when we really started to see the category adoption expand a little bit more. But I would love your take. I mean, obviously, you're living and breathing in this space every day. So, I mean, where are we at now in terms of category saturation? What types of brands are doing really cool things with AR technology, especially considering that slam technology that you just talked about? Sure. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, I've been following this closely for quite a while and actually writing about it with uh, my good friend Tony Parisi, formerly of Unity, now at Lamina One Blockchain and metaverse startup, but going back at least six or seven years, right? IKEA and IKEA Place has been allowing, and Wayfair and House, right? Have been mobile apps that allow you to preview furniture and housewares in your home, which have been useful. Warby Parker has allowed for virtual trial of glasses. I think Sephora many years ago allowed virtual trial of makeup. These kinds of things that are sort of AR on your face or AR in your home for large scale objects like furniture items. That's worked reasonably for six or seven years, actually. And to your point, I mean, COVID has definitely put a more of a pain point, right, on not being able to go to a physical store in order to try things out. So I think there was more adoption driven by COVID. But I think that what's, yeah, again, what's happening now is that the ability to experience augmented reality on a daily basis is really what's going to drive this tipping point, right? I mean, so as enthusiasts of AR, right, we've been looking at, we're definitely still on the early side or the prior side of this tipping point, right? And if we compare this to really any wide-scale, broad technology adoption, like the smartphone, for example, right? If we think about the iPhone when it came out, 
For the first year, there were no apps other than what Apple built. There was no app store to create apps. But I think they strategically built enough market momentum, enough of an installed user base, enough phones out there that there was a driver, a motivation, right, for developers to build for those phones. And there was enough capabilities on the phones and there were location services out of the gate. And it took a few years before seemingly inevitable apps that leverage these core services like Uber, for example, right, or Google Maps, leveraging location services. The technology had to be out there, to your point, but then someone had to create these use cases. And they actually took a while after location services and these two examples were available, GPS on the phones, before Uber and Google Maps started making use of them. So there's a combination of what's possible and then someone realizing, ah, we can use this technology to create something useful. And the thing about AR, right, so far, even though it's been around for quite a while on mobile devices, as we're saying, it hasn't risen yet or there hasn't been the creation of a use case that motivates daily use, right? There's almost nobody except for the really obsessed, right, that's using AR on a daily basis to get things done, right? The way we use smartphones to get things done. But we think that, and we'll get into this in a bit, right? We think that being able to place digital information precisely in physical context where it's the most meaningful is going to be that tipping point. We'll see, right? I mean, this is what we're testing with the way we're commercializing Alki Labs positioning technology is allowing people who own physical spaces like retailers to precisely place promotional information product information, personalized recommendations, things like this, things that we expect from e-commerce in a physical store, in the physical context where they can actually be actioned in that moment of, of, of intent rather than presenting someone with a promotion in a newspaper or online where they can't take action in that moment, present this information when they can actually do something about it if they're shoppers or customers, right? So creating that connection between physical context of experience and relevant information is something that we think is going to really be the tipping point for AR. Yeah, 100% agree. And I know there have been a lot of discussions, even debates of how do you take the power of digital experience, right? And that's typically in the form of personalization, more curated content and experiences, being able to leverage data to tailor that experience, right? And bring that into the physical store. And that obviously creates a new type of use case for AR. But I know in our first conversation, you brought up grocery and the opportunity for those types of retailers. And I feel like that's like a really powerful pairing of like context and recommended content or offers. And I feel like there's a lot of untapped potential there. So can you explain for our listeners like why you think grocery kind of presents that unique use case or unique opportunity for AR? Yes. So to build a little bit on what we're already saying here, right? So Alki Labs is a tech startup, right? We're a spatial computing or spatial positioning company. And we're creating this protocol, this decentralized collaborative spatial computing network that allows for devices and people and even even AIs, actually, to understand precisely where they are in the world and to interact with participants in the world across these different categories, right? Machines and people and AIs and so on. So it's a very big, very broad vision that is going to take many years to play out. But we see augmented reality as the way to bring this capability of precise positioning in the physical world to market and to businesses today in a really powerful way. Specifically grocery, why grocery? So, you know, we've been showing this technology, being able to do precise digital information in physical space and experience it using augmented reality on phones 
to a lot of different industries over the past year, year and a half, actually, as we've been building this, the most enthusiasm that we've received has been from retail and then within retail, actually grocery retail, because consistent message that we get from grocery retailers is, wow, this would be amazing to present shoppers with promotions and deals because we know that many of them will read about a promotion in the paper. This tends to be you know, older sort of Older shoppers often, like they'll read the, the paper leaflet, it comes in their mailbox at home, or they pick it up on the way into the store, but then they'll forget about what they want to buy. And a lot of these people actually shop the deals, shop the promotions, right? I don't know if you were, or I know I don't do this so much, but I think a lot of people do. So we're just focusing on what we hear from people when we demonstrate this technology. So grocery retailers have said, if you could just drive a single item increase in basket size on average for our shoppers, that would be worth its weight in gold. Like, absolutely, we would roll this out to all of our stores, right? So we've just said, game on, challenge accepted, right? We think we can absolutely drive that kind of increased conversion just like e-commerce does, right, by presenting the right information in the right time to shoppers. And so to the earlier point about what would cause, what will cause this tipping point from, and we can remember this about smartphones, right? There was a time when it was just rare to see people with smartphones. And then before we knew it, everyone was on their phones all the time, right? And so, but there was this tipping point, which I think we could roughly say with smartphones was, and you were getting to this earlier, Alicia, there was just enough use value, there's enough utility there, entertainment, communication, information, how to get from A to B, et cetera, how to get a ride, that we started paying attention to them all the time. And so we think that AR, the technology is ready, the context and the sort of business driver seems to be ready from a grocery perspective. And also the context of grocery shopping is that for most people around the world, multiple visits a week is the norm, right? Especially in Europe, especially in Southeast Asia, where we have a lot of presence as Alki Labs, there is clarity that people go to the grocery almost every day, actually, because unlike Americans, most of the people in the world, they actually don't drive their cars to Walmart once a week and just fill up the car, right? But there's multiple trips a week. And so the opportunity to practice and sort of onboard people to a familiarizing of using AR for shopping is a real opportunity. So, and we are also getting a lot of enthusiasm. You know, you know, I met at Shop Talk recently from U.S. retailers and particularly large kind of big box and you know, DIY or home goods like Home Depot and Lowe's are really interested in using augmented reality to place information that helps people find what they're looking for, helps people solve the problems that they're coming into the store to solve in a large unfamiliar store, right? So, so that's a broad overview of kind of why grocery, but I think it's the feedback we're getting is it's clearly a much broader play, which makes sense to us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you start to peel back the layers of those different categories, you can definitely see some of the similarities, I guess, in experience, you know, in way of customer pain points, what their expectations are. So going back to your point, I mean, obviously the feedback has been tremendous. It points to a need and an opportunity. I'm always curious, though, about the flip side. Right. Because especially in this era that we're in, for lack of a better word, the uncertainty, the, the emphasis on fundamentals, on profitability, any new innovation or tech investment needs to be scrutinized and validated. Has that come into the equation at all? Or is the use case or potential use case so strong and so specific that those conversations are easier to navigate? Like, are there any issues that come up in conversation that like is making people hesitant or slow to really wrap their head around what this opportunity means to their business? Sure. No, absolutely. So 
I think I alluded this to this earlier. I've been doing kind of emerging tech work and innovation work for brands and, and clients as a consultant for a long time. And over the years, you know, I've evolved from investing lots of time in prototyping and building teams that would go fly around and do dog and pony shows to innovation people at, at big companies and say, this is amazing. Look at what we can do. We can, going back six or seven years, we can train your airline mechanics in VR to learn how to repair certain problems that they have in airplane engines, as an example, right? All kinds of investment in sort of proactive showing of business leaders what's possible. And this just doesn't sell. I mean, we sold very little work that way, to be honest. Like, it's just people get excited. They're amazed. But to your points, they are much more focused on the next 12 months of just keeping the lights on kinds of projects in IT, right? That's what they're focused on. And so there really needs to be a compelling business case. And so that's really what we're focused on at Alki Labs. And this product that we're calling Convergent, which is short for Convergent Commerce, really bringing digital and physical together, we are really letting it be driven by where's the business value? What's the value proposition to retailers and to grocery retailers specifically where we're starting to do our pilots on site, working closely with retailers, getting clear and collaborating with them on what are the desired outcomes here? What are the KPIs that we need to drive? What are the metrics that we can measure to drive those? And so one I mentioned earlier is increased basket size, right, at checkout. So this is pretty easy to measure. We just do A-B testing. And so there are customers that come into the store and use our app, and then there are customers that don't, right? So we can, you know, if you have a statistically significant sample size or multiple stores or long enough time, enough shopper visits, you can get statistically significant results. And we're in the early days of doing these pilots with retail chains, but they're excited because, yes, they see the opportunity to drive the top line, like have people discover more, add more to cart than they would have otherwise. And there are also other kind of bottom line impacts that are quite exciting to a bunch of retailers we're speaking to. For example, the getting them on a path to reduce and eventually even eliminate their printing costs, right? Because if you imagine, as those of us certainly in, who've been paying attention to AR for years have imagined, a near future, or at least a future, you know, how near it is, we'll see, but where information just shows up in personalized ways on people's personal devices, right? Right now, we can see this happening on smartphones, maybe be soon. They'll it'll show up on glasses. We'll see. I mean, Apple two weeks from now is expected by just about everybody to roll out its first purpose-built AR hardware device, right? This headset. And assuming that happens, I think it's going to have as enormous of an impact on the AR conversation as Facebook changing its name to Meta had on the Metaverse conversation, right? It's like I've been describing it. It's like the biggest company or one of the biggest companies in the world is about to do a huge cannonball into the pool, right? And like everyone, it's going to be so amazing and disruptive. And if it doesn't happen, I think it's going to be very strange, right? Because there's such an expectation. But getting back to the point, we're very focused, and I, I know Apple is as well, right? On think, what is the use value? And specifically for us, what is the business value? So what I, what I was getting at with the Apple reference is just the understanding that in the future, we're going to continue on the trajectory of consuming more and more information digitally rather than on physical printed material, whether that's paper handout of promotions or whether that's physical signage that still in most grocery stores, at least in the US, is, is on cardboard, right? Or paper saying this item is 30% off or buy two, get one free or whatever that is, right? Or even just basic product information. 
So we, I think the retailers that we're speaking with, the grocery retailers really understand that there are sort of top line value propositions, getting people to discover and purchase more and find more of what they're looking for, which means they can add it to their cart. Obviously they can't if they don't find it, but also get them on a path to checking more of their sort of sustainability directives and reducing costs of printing. There's also opportunity to reduce the cost or repurpose some of their store staff, which are ostensibly there, although many of us, I think, get frustrated being able to find a store staff that can answer questions about where is something or is this gluten-free or whatever we're trying to get an answer about from a store associate. But in the spirit of self-checkout, there's this larger trend, right, of having shoppers do more for themselves, answer their own questions, discover their own products, learn about things in a self-directed way. And so we see what we're doing as, as part of that. So I think that's the whole context in which the retailers we're speaking to that are most excited understand the technology that we're bringing. Yes. And I think there's a really interesting story around in-store technology specifically. Like I know mobile-based AR, technically it's the individual's device and they're, they're kind of using their own experience to guide things along. It's not necessarily in-store tech, but either way, I think that story around internal efficiency, operational efficiency from a workforce perspective, empowering the customer to discover and dig deeper into the brand experience by taking you know what they initially needed from that grocery trip and getting recommendations building recipes, you know, I think there's a lot of potential there. So can we kind of walk through a possible scenario or example to kind of showcase to everyone what this would look like, this intersection of commerce, content, and context? Because I just think it's so powerful and, and sometimes having an example to walk through kind of helps bring it to light a little bit more. Oh, absolutely. So we do, if we have show notes, we can add some links to, yeah, to videos uh, that we can share with your listeners. Because we do have video coverage of actual in-app experiences in different kinds of stores. So the first one that we have, actually, we shot this in Hong Kong earlier this year with a prototype version of our convergent product in a grocery store. And the scenario was, at the end of the workday, my partner calls and says, hey, I want to make a bolognese tonight for dinner. Can you just pick up what we need? So the context there is there's a set of ingredient products, right, to make a bolognese. Like you need spaghetti, you need, you're going to make it from scratch, you need tomatoes, you need onions, maybe you want some basil. So in the scenario in this video, what we do with our technology, with this convergent app, is place digital information around the store that is specifically focused on helping me as a shopper get what's on that list to make a bolognese, right? So the items I just mentioned, and there are sort of landmarks visible in augmented reality. As I hold up my phone, I can see where each of these items is. And similar to seeing landmarks in a physical space, I don't have to keep my phone up the whole time. I can just see, ah, that's where the spaghetti is. That's the aisle where the Parmesan is and just navigate myself to these things. I can also, if I want to, keep my phone up and it just provides this kind of very quick, very optimized way to find those ingredients. Now, there's also, we showcase the opportunity for the store and they can do this using ChatGPT or any other kind of recommendations approach. The store notices you're making a bolognese, you don't have Parmesan cheese on your list, you really should add that, right? So it's kind of a promoted item. The store could even decide to give me a discount for just saying yes to that. So it guides me to the Parmesan. I can add that to my cart as well, right? So, so this is a simple scenario, which I think is a very common one, right? Where we go to the grocery store, we have in mind something that we want to make. You may not know all the ingredients that we need to make that recipe, 
and we want to quickly find them. Like I was saying earlier, there are other scenarios where they you know it's just my weekly shopping or it's my every several day shopping. I'm going to show up and just buy what's on the special and retailers get particularly excited about that because they want to make sure that, that I as the shopper discover everything that is on sale this week, right? So there are other scenarios that we can imagine and that we've been building into our prototyping as well. For example, well, I guess I'll take a step back and say, Something that's really surprising if you spend your time shopping in e-commerce, right, and then go to a physical store is regardless of whether I'm a, you know, a middle-aged dad, you know, shopping for my kids for dinner or an 80-year-old grandma or a 15-year-old teenager, like I'm going to see the same store. I'm going to see the same promotions, the same items arranged the same way. And each of us, each of these different personas have different interests, right? And e-commerce does a really good job at the high end, at the most sophisticated end, certainly Amazon does, right? Of tailoring what I see as the shopper to me, right? What my, what it knows my interests are. Stores actually have this first party data about their customers more and more, and yet they don't have any good way of actioning it, of activating it in the physical store, right? It's more learning. It's not data that they're really using very much yet to activate the shopper or to support a personalized shopping experience for their customers. But this is something we know we can do and we're showcasing that we can do by combining that first party data, that loyalty data that the store has with the ability to place information in physical spots within the store in the moment of purchase intent, right? And they use that, that phrase purchase intent very specifically in order to remind us that this is what allowed Google to print its hundreds of billions of dollars of profit, right? They realized that when people search in Google search for keywords or phrases that represent something you can buy, which is a lot of what people search for, that's purchase intent, right? And so that's hugely, hugely valuable to advertisers, to brands, to people that want to sell you those things. And the same thing can be done in the physical store in a more constrained and sort of focused way, right? Because you're in a store that's run by a particular retailer that has a certain set of merchandise, certain set of items that they want to sell to you. So so that's a broad stroke overview of a few different use cases. Yeah. It's so fascinating once you truly understand how you can take that moment of intent and turn it into an opportunity. And I agree, I think that moment of intent verbiage is really powerful, right? Because you can fully understand that context of the customer, that mindset of what they are really looking for and being able to serve the right content, the right offers to facilitate that decision-making process or that shopping journey is so powerful. But I mean, as far as making this scenario a reality and truly bringing this power of digital engagement, digital experience into the store, is there anything else that retailers need to be thinking about that like integrates or orchestrates with this technology? So like, for instance, if you want to create that really powerful contextual experience, having really great content is helpful, right? I mean, is there anything else under the hood that we need to be discussing? or calling out if retailers want to capitalize on this new AR opportunity? Sure. Yeah. So and you mentioned objections earlier, right, which I didn't really go too far into, but I'll connect it with sort of context and content here. Sometimes we hear the objection, well, but people aren't going to want to be on their phones or not going to use their phones to, to shop, right? Or would people actually do this, you know, use their phones to shop? And our answer is actually people are on their phones. They're just not doing what you want them to do as a retailer, right? They're distracted. They're not paying attention to what they're doing. 
And the real opportunity here is to meet your customers, meet your shoppers where they are, where their attention is, which is on their phones, right? And so you want to bring that natural, like irresistible attention that people have to their phones all the time, including when they're in the physical store. Leverage that for a cohesive, like just a convergent kind of bringing digital and physical together, that conversion experience, right? So to your point, Alicia, I think there's a lot that can be done in terms of content that is supportive of the kinds of things or you might say jobs to be done, right? What's the agenda of a shopper when they come into the store? Sometimes it's, I need to get in and out really quickly because I have very little time and I know what I need and I'm just going to pick up things on my list and the store can support that. Sometimes people are in less of a rush and they're just curious about making some new dish or trying a new dietary regime, right? Maybe they're going to go low carb so they don't want to look at things that have any receive any promotions for things that have carbs in them. They just want to see low carb products. Great. We can do that too. And there's all kinds of related content that can support that, right? There's, I think grocery stores are starting to, in the past few years, because there's so much competition, right? I mean, traditional grocery in the U.S. has been increasingly outcompeted by the Walmarts and the Targets even, and these these big box retailers that are now uh, selling more groceries than the traditional grocery stores. So all grocery is having to look at how do we create more stickiness, right? More of a loyalty kind of relationship. And yeah, I think providing content that's high level, that's valuable, that helps people do what they already want to do, shift their diet, eat better, make new dishes, discover new products. I mean, all of that is content that could be created as sort of lifestyle as you want to go, right? I would love it if, because I actually really like grocery shopping. I mean, I like to cook. I like to discover high-end foods. But I haven't seen a grocery store yet create a magazine that would be like, like, you know, a cooking-focused show. It could be a sort of traditional magazine or it could be, you know, cooking shows that are video and connect that to the shopping experience, right? And we're starting to see shoppable video, right, in fashion certainly in certain categories, but I think less so in, in grocery. But I think that kind of content is super interesting. Like I would engage with it. And I think being able to do something like, I just saw this recipe be made. I'm really into it. Can you, if I just tap and say, hold these ingredients for me and I'll pick them up later today when I stop by the store, that would be a fantastic use case that I think would create really strong relationship, you know? And I feel like the store, this brand really cares about me having the kind of daily experience that I want, you know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to raise the point or question around if there are any privacy considerations of this. I'm assuming because of the examples you shared, it's more so like content related personalization. Like I I feel like anytime in-store technology is <laughs> brought into the discussion. It's like, oh, will you, will you be tracking people? Like, are there privacy implications? Is there anything there that we need to call out like around how this becomes a reality? If there are any nuances that need to be discussed if a brand decides to go down this path? Absolutely. I'm glad you raised the question because 100% brands and businesses should always be asking these questions. So as Alki Labs, our stance is, and if you go to alkilabs.com or read our white paper, I mean, you'll see very clearly that we're very focused on privacy and preserving privacy. There's a whole technical approach to how we're building out this spatial positioning network to decentralized way to preserve users' privacy. But the short answer in the, in the retail context is 
what we're building is enabling technology that retailers will build into their own kind of solution architecture, their own mobile apps for shoppers. So we don't ever see, as Alki Labs, any of the data they collect from their customers or any of the data that is part of that loyalty relationship between retailers and their customers. That's entirely up to the retailer and the customer that agreement about data sharing or not. So so what we do is, again, just enable this ability to precisely place any kind of information. It can be text, it can be images, it can be video, it can be 3D objects. And that's going to evolve, right, over the coming years as people, as phone hardware improves, as maybe people start wearing glasses, but that support augmented reality. But that content is created by the retailer for their shoppers. One other thing in this context, it seems like a good context to mention this, is back at Shop Talk in Las Vegas a number of weeks ago, I first started talking to people about what we're building as the opportunity to do personalized retail media, right? And we take a step back and look at why is retail media so huge? It's related to what we were saying earlier about reaching people in that moment of intent, right? Just like search advertising was able to do, just like social media, I mean, less so, but I mean, these were the first two big waves of digital advertising. Retail media is now back to, I think, what Google was on to in its early days of search-based advertising, which is people in retail stores are there with intent, right? Some of them are more intentional and focused than others. But in any case, they're there to buy things. And so the value of their attention in the store is really high. But what we see with the technology that we're bringing is the ability to do this in a personalized way, right? Not just if you're a store and you've integrated our convergent technology, you have this ability. You can think of it as like virtual real estate where you can place digital information throughout your store in precise ways. It can be combined with your first party data as a retailer to reach your shoppers in a very personalized way. But you can also take that ability, that virtual real estate, and sell it to, like you sell shelf space or shell promotional space to distributors, to the brands whose products that you stock, right? And so beyond just showing everybody the same media content, the same brand messaging communications as retail media, sort of plain retail media does, we might call it, we can do this on people's devices, which means it can be highly personalized to, to them as shoppers. And not just personalized to their demographics, but also personalized to their physical context in the store, right? So, and what they're shopping for now, maybe in the morning it's different from the evening, or there's all kinds of signals that can be used to tailor what information is presented to people in, in what physical context. So we think it's super, super powerful. It's kind of all the benefits that e-commerce has had, sort of unfair advantages in terms of recommendations and personalization, but brought to the physical store and made even more powerful because of the physical context in which the information can be presented. Now, I will underscore to your point earlier, Alicia, that this might sound scary because <laughs> it sounds very, very, I mean, the other side of the personalization coin is surveillance, right? right. We'll, just, we'll just use that scary term. So our stance is we're an enabling technology platform. Like we are going to let owners of physical spaces like retailers, like grocery, do what they want with this placement of information. And they already do, right? I mean, stores are already tracking shoppers through their stores. They know where they're dwelling. They know how many people and how quickly they move through the store. So they have all that data already. So it's really not any different from that. I think shoppers and retailers just need to pay attention to, yeah, like what data do they have and 
what data is being collected from them so that it's uh, consistent with what they want. And, and I guess I'll add one thing to this, that just like Apple has taken a very strong stance relative to other big tech companies in terms of privacy, maybe, and I would expect this to be true, there are going to be physical stores, physical spaces in the world as augmented reality and as digital information in physical space becomes a daily experience for people. There are going to be physical spaces in the world, physical stores that are more or less privacy preserving as part of their kind of brand positioning. Like come into this store and we're only doing encrypted or anonymous tracking of you. We're not going to track you outside the store like kind of Facebook has done, you know, all over the web for years. You know what I mean? Like I haven't thought too deeply about this yet, but I think there's inevitably going to be an opportunity as digital starts to show up more pervasively in the physical world for owners of physical spaces to take stronger or weaker stances on privacy and how they track people. Yeah, it's definitely fascinating because on one hand, customers say they want these types of experiences, but then it's like, to what end? And then how do you, how do all of the pieces work together to ensure that that experience promise shines through, but also all of the nuances and the requirements for privacy are addressed. I mean, I just certainly don't have all the answers, but it's interesting to hear how the experts discuss this topic, especially when you consider the revenue impact of these experiences, right? Like retail media, I think is a fantastic example because that is being spotlighted as such a critical revenue stream for a lot of retailers right now, especially in grocery. So I think you did a nice job of really connecting those dots. And I think it shows how many functions are impacted by these types of experiences. So obviously marketing and advertising, you talked earlier about the operational impact of this technology, right? Being able to free associates from possibly like wayfinding or recommendations because it is a self-serve experience to an extent. And ultimately it impacts store design too, like your point around sustainability and being able to digitize communication and messaging in the store because it is through a mobile device. Um, You know, we, we are running short on our time, but I do want to, I think maybe close out our conversation by thinking about the implications of this because it is such, it appears to me at least, to be such a cross-functional initiative. I mean, do you have any closing tips or recommendations for our listeners that are listening to this and like, wow, like this actually is pretty amazing and could be a fit for us? Like, who do they need to have in the room? Who do they need to bring into these conversations? Because I, I just feel like the more we unpack this, the more you can kind of understand the ebbs and flows of, of how this technology impacts different areas of the business. Right. Yeah. So there's a bunch there. And I will say, just to add to those use cases really quickly, we've had a number of retailers point out that often their store staff don't know where products are on their floor, right, on their shelves. And so this technology can also help store staff do more optimized restocking and sort of find products they're kind of they're looking for, or like the shelf location they're looking for very quickly. So that's one additional item. And then another dimension of this, and I'll close with this or lead into answering your question about who should be in the room, right? Or who should be thinking about this. So, and I'm surprised this didn't come up yet. So ESLs, electronic shelf labels, right? Especially in the last couple of weeks since Walmart announced they're investing in just a huge rollout across most of their stores 
electronic shelf labels, like tens of millions of them across the country. That is a particular kind of deployment of digital information in the physical store, right? It's using specific hardware that's sort of one-to-one with each shelf location. And it's fascinating because to me as a technologist, seeing where technology is headed, it seems like it's on a sort of collision course with augmented reality. Like why invest huge amounts of money and five to 10-year rollout schedules on this purpose-built hardware on the shelf when you could actually present the same kind of information, but in a personalized way to each shopper on their own personal device where you have no CapEx, you don't have to invest in that hardware. So I know that's a longer conversation, but it's something that I've been scratching my head about recently as I see increasing investment in, in ESL across grocery retail. I think there's, a, and we at Alki Lab certainly think there's a better way of doing this. I think in the next 10 years, well before 10 years is up, people are going to be really familiar and comfortable experiencing digital information via AR on their, on their phones. So in terms of who should be in the room, I mean, we have a pilot program, as I mentioned earlier, for retailers. You can go to alkylabs.com slash convergence, C-O-N-V-E-R-G-E-N-T, like convergent commerce. And I'm sure we can include this in the show notes as well. And you can reach out there and chat with us about, we can do a demo for you. We can do that virtually as well. And we can have a conversation about whether it makes sense to include you in our pilot program. Depending on when the show airs, Alicia, this is where we're really focused over the coming few months. This is we're recording this towards the end of May. And we expect by sort of back to school time that we're going to be bringing this to a full launch, you know, having done some successful pilots with uh, larger retail chains over the summer. So depending on when you reach out, you'll be able to engage in our pilot program or maybe even just sign up to start installing this convergent solution in your store. The people that were getting the most sort of enthusiastic head nodding around, we need this for our store, tend to be people who are responsible for, you know, store operations, customer experience. Sometimes it's heads of innovation, but there are different roles that look at how shoppers move through the store, right? And, you know, I think any or all of those roles that I just mentioned are people that make sense to have in this conversation because these are folks that always come up with great ideas when we speak with them about what's possible when you can place digital information precisely in in physical space in a personalized way in front of your shoppers, right? And so as soon as we have a brainstorm about that, there are lots of use cases that people come up with. Again, the top ones for now with grocery have been placing promotions, placing deals in front of shoppers so they don't forget them when they're considering adding these items to their cart. And then also also presenting store staff with the ability to locate items on shelves in a really quick way to help them restock more efficiently and so on. So that's the summary. Think of of how and who and when, I guess, we're covering all the different aspects of this. <laughs> covering all the bases, right? This has been great, Neil. Thank you again so much for taking the time out. I know it is a constantly evolving space. Alki Labs is doing a lot of really incredible work that is always evolving. So again, we'll, we'll make sure we include all of those links and resources for our listeners because, you know, it's one thing to hear about it and listen about these use cases, but it's a completely different story to actually see it in action. So we'll want to make sure we provide that support and that next step for folks. But for now, thank you again so much for taking the time out. It's truly a fascinating space and you guys are doing some incredible things. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Alicia. Great speaking with you. And to all of you, of course, once you listen to the episode completely, go to some of those resources. If you have any follow-up questions for Neil, we would love to facilitate those conversations. So just drop us a line on Twitter at our touchpoints or on LinkedIn at Retail Touchpoints. 
We'll be sure to keep Neil tagged in those conversations so he can chime in and you guys can discuss anything separately. And of course, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and the series as a whole. You can leave us a rating or review on your preferred podcast player. We are on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, frankly, anywhere else. We are likely there. We would love to hear from you. And of course, be sure to subscribe to the show. We are coming to your ears weekly with new conversations on the latest technologies and experiences and speaking with plenty of folks who are living and breathing this every day like Neil. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe so you can get new episodes delivered directly to your device. Thanks again, everyone. We'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.